Hello, beloved, and welcome back to another episode of Mobius Ministries Podcast. This is your friend, Josiah. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is season 14, episode 148. Today, obviously, we have our Proverbs chapter 22 study. I'm so excited to continue to dive into this book of Proverbs. This has been a blast, beloved, and I just, God has taught me so, so, so much. And I hope he's done the same with you. I hope that he's, uh, you know, done that verse in Hebrews where it just talks about the discipline of the Lord. I hope that he's disciplined you and that you've yielded to that. Beloved, I'm going to start this episode a little bit differently. Um, I do have a prophetic word the Lord wanted me to release. He spoke this to me yesterday and I just want to bless you guys with this. So um, we're not going to open in prayer. I'm just going to open in the prophetic word. And then um, I'm going to make one other announcement. Few, I have a few announcements today. I also do have a vitamin water. Um, so just bear with me as I as I drink, as I you know do my podcast today. But the verse of the day is out of Matthew 5 verse 6. These are the Beatitudes that Jesus talked about. And um, it says, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You know, Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he's talking to, uh, scholars say that he was talking to like thousands, I think it was hundreds or thousands of people. And he's saying, this is all of you, all of you guys hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have that revelation of an Isaiah where it says, how can we be saved? How our, our, our righteous deeds are nothing but filthy rags. They can't save us. What are we going to do? And so I think that's Isaiah 64, but um, Jesus comes and says, I'm going to finish everything for you. I'm going to humble myself before the Father, and I'm going to make a way for you to be justified through me with the Lord. And Jesus, thank you. We're so honored by that. We are we're humbled by that, Father, that you loved us, that you sent your Son so that none would perish. Um, and... I just thank you for blessing me with this podcast, Lord, and how you've continued to just just use me, Lord. Um, I pray that you just bless people and speak to their hearts, that this word would go forth in power, and um, that people would receive healing through today's episode. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the prophetic word that I have... um, a lot of us know John 3.16, and I'll read it from the Amplified Version. Jesus says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes, in, believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish. So I, I just wanted to get some context because verse 18 is the prophetic the prophetic word that I got. Um, or no, sorry, verse 17. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. That is to initiate the final judgment of the world, which is talking about like Revelation 20 talks about Judgment Day. Um, that's what that's talking about. But that the world might be saved through him. Now, here's the word that I got, beloved. Pretty soon... 
whether it's going to be in your own church but you're, or, or in another church, but you're going to start to see people shame people for having Jesus to come. People are going to say that it was like a burden that God sent Jesus. You're going to start to hear, um, you're going to start to see like churches shame people for making God send Jesus. And it's going to be a heresy. It's going to be going around. Um, and I just hear the Lord saying, do not listen to this. Scripture is so clear. We just read the verse, beloved. Again, Jesus was so clear. And you'll see, a, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of churches might still do this today. They might still shame people for, you know, like it was almost like a burden that God sent in Jesus. knows. Jesus says, again, so clearly, God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world. And he's, he says, but once the final judgment comes, then yes, it will be initiated. Now, let me get, I want to, I want to, I'm going to get my message version in the closet because I like the way the message version puts John 3.17 real quick. Hang on. I'm here. So John, wow, I have not opened this Bible in a long time. This feels really good. Wow. Okay, John 3.17. So, um, this is in the message version. I love the way this puts it. It's so beautiful. Beloved, it says, God didn't go, this is obviously Jesus speaking, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son to merely point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it is he came to help he came to set the world right again so okay where it says right here he didn't god didn't go through the trouble of sending i don't think that's accurately biblically true because it was it didn't cause god trouble but what i'm i i, I like it how it says that god didn't send him to, to just start pointing fingers and just start accusing everyone of their faults a lot of people will um uh, just kind of they'll think that's true because at the end of the day those kinds of things are going to gratify the flesh more than the spirit hearing condemning things they gratify the flesh not the spirit when you talk about grace and you talk about those kind of things our flesh does not like that um, and Christ calls us out of that so I'm back. So Proverbs 23, beloved. Um, last week, we ended with these wise sayings as the writer quoted. Here they are continued in chapter from chapter 22, if that makes sense. I think these wise sayings, beloved, they go on all the way until chapter 24. We're going to be reading out of the New American Standard Bible, which is the um, abbreviated NASB is what it what people say it as. Um, also, beloved, I challenge you to read along with me, whether it's on your phone or your actual Bible. Look it up on your phone, your tablet, your computer, because it will help you understand. Oh wait, no, we're doing we're doing Proverbs twenty two. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You 
you guys, I've been up since 7.30. I worked out earlier. I worked out like like heck. I burned a thousand calories. I'm reading... F- I'm, I'm... Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm reading my message for next week. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're doing Proverbs 22 today. I'm so sorry. Let me pull that up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if the Lord wants to humble me that way, then Lord, yeah do it so okay here we go oh here it is okay i a good thing i wrote it in my notes the lord wants me to also read psalm 78 over everyone it's a pretty long psalm but i just i want i want to read it to you all and then and then we'll and then we'll dive into today's today's uh, message beloved And if you want to read along with me with Psalm 78, you can. But I think you should just sit and just let the Lord speak through me. And just let him touch your heart. We're going to be reading out of Psalm 78. So just bear with me here. Also, if you want to know the song that was just playing before this one, it's called The King by Tony Anderson. And the song playing right now is called Open Heaven. At Bethel, this is by William Augusto. Psalm 78, beloved. Listen, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth and be willing to learn. I will open my mouth in a parable to instruct using examples. I will utter dark, puzzling sayings of the old that contain important truth, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide from their children, but we will tell to the generation to come the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord and tell of his great might and power and the wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony, a specific precept in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach to their children the great facts of God's transactions with Israel, so the generation to come might know them, that the children still to be born may arise and reaccount them to their children, so they should replace their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart to know and follow God and whose spirit was not faithful to the Lord. The sons of Ephraim were armed as archers and carrying bows, yet they turned back in the day of battle. They did not keep the covenant of God and refused to walk according to his law, and they forgot his incredible works and his miraculous wonders that he had shown them. He did marvelous things in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, where Pharaoh resided. He divided the Red Sea and allowed them to pass through it. And he made the water stand up like water behind a dam. In the daytime, he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them abundant water to drink like the ocean's depths. He brought streams also from the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers. 
Yet they still continue to sin against him by rebelling against the Most High in the desert. And in their hearts they put God to the test by asking for food according to their selfish appetite. Then they spoke against God. They said, Can God prepare food for a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock so that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Or will, or will he provide meat for his people? Therefore, when the Lord heard, he was full of wrath. A fire was kindled against Jacob, and his anger mounted up against Israel. Because they did not believe in God, they did not rely on him, they did not adhere to him. And they did not trust in his salvation, his power to save. Yet he commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven. And he rained down manna upon them to eat and gave them grain from heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. God sent them provision in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens. And by his unlimited power, he guided the south wind. He rained meat upon them like the dust and winged birds quail like the sand of the seas, and he let them fall in the midst of their camp around their tents. So they ate and they were filled. He gave them what they craved, but they had satisfied their desire. Before, they had satisfied their desire, and while their foods was in their mouths, the wrath of God rose against them and killed some of the strongest of them, and subdued the choice of young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they still sinned, for they did not believe in his wonderful and extraordinary works. Therefore, he consumed their days like a breath in emptiness and futility, and their years in sudden terror. When he killed some of them, then those remaining sought him and they returned to him and searched diligently for God for a time and they remembered that God was their rock and most and the most high God their redeemer nevertheless they flattered him with their mouths and lied to him with their tongues for their heart was not steadfast towards him nor were they faithful to his covenant and they but, but he, the source of compassion and loving kindness, forgave their wickedness and did not destroy them. Many times he restrained his anger and did not stir up all his wrath, for he graciously remembered that they were human flesh, a wind that goes and does not return. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again, they tempted God and distressed the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember the miracles worked by his powerful hand, nor the day when he redeemed them from the enemy. How he worked his miracles in Egypt and his wonders in the field of Zoan where Pharaoh resided and turned their rivers into blood and their streams so that they could not drink. 
He sent among them swarms of flies which devoured them and frogs which destroyed them. He also gave their crops to the grasshopper and the fruit of their labor, uh, the fruit of their labor to the locust. He destroyed their vines with great hailstones and their and their sycamore trees with frost. He gave over their cattle also to the hailstones and their flocks and herds to thunderbolts. He sent upon them his burning anger, his fury and indignation and distress, a band of angels of destruction among them. He leveled a path for his anger to gave it free run. He did not spare their souls from death, but turned over their lives to the plague. He killed all the firstborn in Egypt, the first and best of their strength in the tents of the land of the sons of Ham. But God led his own people forward like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a good shepherd with a flock. He led them to he led them safely so that they did not fear, but the sea engulfed their enemies. So he brought them to his holy land, to his mountain of Zion, which his right hand had acquired. He also drove out the nations before the sons of Israel and allotted their land as an inheritance, measured out and partitioned. And he had the tribes of Israel dwell in their tents, the tents of those who had been dispossessed. Yet they tempted and rebelled against the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, his laws. They turned back and acted unfaithfully like their fathers. They were twisted like a warped bow that will not respond to the archer's aim. For they provoked God to righteousness, to righteous anger with their high places devoted to idol worship and moved him to jealousy with their carved images by denying him the love, worship, and obedience that is rightfully and uniquely his. When God heard this, he was filled with righteous wrath and utterly rejected Israel, greatly hating her ways. So he abandoned the tabernacle at Shiloh, the tent in which he had dwelled among them, and gave up his strength and power to the Ark of the Covenant into captivity, and his glory into the hand of the enemy, the Philistines. He also handed his people over to the sword and was infuriated with his inheritance. The fire of war devoured his young men, and his Bereaved virgins had no wedding songs. His priests fell by the sword, and his widows could not weep. Then the Lord awakened as from, as from sleep, like a mighty warrior who awakens from the sheep of wine, fully conscious of his power he drove his enemies backwards he subdued them to lasting shame and dishonor moreover he rejected the tent of joseph and did not choose the tribe of ephraim 
in which the tabernacle stood, but he chose the tribe of Judah as Israel's leader, Mount Zion, which he loved to replace Shiloh as his capital, and he built his sanctuary, exalted like the heights of the heavens, like the earth which he had established forever. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from his sheepfolds, from tending the Ewas and nursing young From tending the Ewas with nursing young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So David shepherded them according to the inheritance of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. Father, I thank you so much just how faithful you are in the midst of how much we turn away from you, God. We are all sheep who have been led astray, but you have come toward us in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for those who are not found in the book of life right now, those who are not abiding in the vine. Lord, bring them back. Do not throw them into the fire. I remind you of your mercy. For those who are off track or those who have been distracted by the enemy, realign them into your truth, Holy Spirit. You are faithful. You are so good. And we worship you for that, Father. Oh, Lord, you're so good. You are so good. We worship you in spirit and in truth. We abide in you today, Jesus. In the midst of how unfaithful your people were father you were faithful you met them where they were at you always had it you you always had a plan always so father i thank you for that i thank you for who you are and that you cannot deny your name you cannot be who you are not in christ's name i pray amen Okay, I hope that blessed you, beloved. I just, I, I honestly, guys, I just, I didn't even look into the chapter, but I just felt God say to me, I want you to read that chapter. And I did look and I was like, oh, wow, that's a pretty long chapter. So when I, when, when he told me to do that yesterday, but okay. Oh, thank you, Lord. Okay. Proverbs 22. Verse one, we're going to be reading out of the NASB version. Beloved, I really challenge you. Read along with me. We're going to be reading out of the NASB. Look at, look, look, I, I would, uh, uh, BibleGateway.com is a great, um, a great website to go on to read along in scripture. You can read it in your own Bible. You can read in your, in your version Bible app, whatever. But I really challenge you to read along with me. Verse one, a good name is more desirable than great witches, great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver and gold. Now the Hebrew definition for favor means elegance and acceptance. Wow. So okay, let's plug that in. A good name is more desirable than great riches. Um, hang on a second. Where where is There is no word favor. Where did I get favor from? 
Okay, sorry, my notes are not making sense. I'm sorry, I should have reviewed this. Okay. I can't find, okay. Anyway, so let's read verse one again. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now, acceptance makes me think we could use it in the story of like how God uh, seeing you have a good name, being in Christ and doing good works in Christ, and God opens a door for favor and promotion. Interesting. Verse 2, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Wow. A lot of people aren't going to like that verse. A lot of people. It's going to convict their pride. Now, this goes to show that God does not have favorites. We can we can apply that for verse 2. Verse 3, the prudent see danger and they take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Now, the Hebrew word for the word humility is the word um, anadah. Anada, and the definition is meekness. So let's plug that in. Meekness is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Now, the Hebrew definition for riches means wealth. Now, how can we use the word wealth? This isn't in my notes, but... Because you could use wealth, it depends, like... It's it, it, it could be used in different contextual times. Because if you look at Job, I mean, he had everything. So you could use that towards wealth. Or like wealth in today's would just be money, I think. So I think you could apply it to two different um, contextual settings, if that makes sense. But verse 5, In the paths of the wicked are sna- snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stray far from them. So, the paths, the walkways of the wicked, it leads, it's their snares and their pitfalls. But it says those who preserve their life will stay far from them, the wicked. We see a lot of this happen. People try to hold on to the lives, hold on to their lives, live in wicked ways. They lose it in the end. Jesus was very clear about this in Matthew 16. If you try to hang on to your life, just do whatever you want to do, whatever you feel like your flesh wants, and just feed it any time of the day, you will lose it. Now, us as Christians who walk with Jesus daily, we will mess up and take things in our own hands. But we know what to do in those matters. We confess it to the Lord. We learn the beauty in our repentance in those moments and move forward in his abundant grace. Verse 6, start children off the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not turn from it. Now this verse, beloved, it, it seems like it's talking about training your children in the ways of the Lord as they are young and when they grow older to then older and then older i'm sorry guys my notes are not making any sense this verse seems to be talking about training your children in the ways of the lord as they are young and then they grow older to older and then older now here are two verses for people who are parents right now 
that are walking daily with the Lord and have kids or people like me who want to be a parent one day and will have to train have to train their kids in the ways of the Lord uh, with meekness, love, and unselfishness. Colossians 3.21 in the Amplified Version, Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exasperate your children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so they will not lose heart and become discouraged or unmotivated with their spirits broken. Now, Paul says the same exact thing to the church in Ephesus in chapter 6, verse 4. That's Ephesians 6, 4. Now, this is the reason why 99.9% of people in the United States struggle with codependency. And what I mean by that is people-pleasing, wanting the approval of others all the time, agreeing with people when you really actually disagreeing with them in that certain moment or situation, or have a tough time drawing boundaries. It's because parents have not followed this scripture They become discouraged and unmotivated to stand up for the right thing. Their spirits are broken. Parents have provoked and irritated and exasperated their children with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive. They have made incredibly unrealistic expectations on their kids. And they don't know. it, it It says to... Train them in the ways of the Lord, in loving kindness, in unselfish love, in tenderness, in compassion, in humility. It is so clear. This is why the next, the, the Gen Z, there I, I see they're so emotionally damaged because their parents don't want to be involved in their life because they've been hurt by their parents and they don't know any other way. So they just leave their kids alone. And I'm not saying it's their fault. It's that this is where the curse needs to be broken and that Christ breaks that curse, but that we can walk into action of knowing how to treat our kids one day when we have kids, Lord willing. Don't provoke them. Do not irritate them. Do not exasperate your children. Don't do it. So going back to the verse, verse six, start children off the way they should go and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. It's this work that the Lord does behind the scenes in your kids' lives when you parents train your kids in the ways of the Lord. I'm going through um, a lot of dad wounds right now, and it's been really painful, but... The Lord's just been so faithful to just open my mind more of why I have certain thoughts. I forgive my dad. I love my dad. Um, again, it's his own brokenness, but I'm learning to how to be the right parent one day, to love my child with the right compassion, the right love. I mean, literally, the fruits of the Spirit have to be so rich in those moments of when you're training your kids. They've got to be there. They have to be. There is no compromise. Verse 7, continuing in Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower, the borrower is slave to the lender. Whoever sows injustice, they reap calamity, and the rod which 
and the rod they yield in fury will be broken. Now, the Hebrew definition for the word injustice is sin and unrighteousness. We can see this plays out in those lives who don't put their put their trust in Christ. Jesus says in John 3 that if you do not believe in the Son, that the wrath or judgment, depending on which version you read, of God rests upon you. This is why it's so important for us to plant the right seeds in people's lives. It's so important to be careful what we say. James is very clear that the, that the tongue is a fire. It's like a rudder of a boat. For those of you who don't know what a rudder is, it's the little wooden piece at the end of a boat that turns. It's on the very back of a boat, and if you turn it, you know, you turn it a certain way, it's going to move the boat. James says the tongue is like a rudder. It's like a fire. It's oh my gosh, he he says that it's wicked, it's evil. But that doesn't mean that we can learn how to repent from saying the wrong things and learn how to speak more righteously and speak more fruitful and speak more like Jesus. Verse 9, The generous will themselves be blessed, for their share of food, for they share their food with the poor. Now, it's interesting because I think you could interpret, this isn't in my notes, but I think you could interpret the word food I don't know if this is originally Hebrew language so Lord forgive me if I'm speaking out of arrogance or if this is wrong but where it says they share their food with the poor I think you could not only just reference food like actual food that you eat but like things that they have that they could bless people with verse 10 drive out the mocker and out goes strife quarrels and insults are ended Let's read that again. Drive out the mocker and the strife goes out. It's gone. The quarrels and the insults are ended. Now, the Hebrew word for the word mocker is the word lutz. And the definition is to talk arrogantly, to boast, or to scorn. So you drive out someone who talks arrogantly or boasts or, or, or scorns someone and it says you are you are pushing out the strife it's leaving and the and then the quarrels and the insults they're going to end it's a i mean it's i love that it's so clear verse 11 one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend now it's interesting because i do remember looking up this Hebrew word the king and I was trying to see if it might have it might have represented the Messiah the anointed one Jesus Christ but it wasn't so I'm wondering if you could reference it towards Jesus um but I mean I, I guess you could because one who loves a pure heart that's talking about righteousness and speaks with grace the Bible says that Jesus came in complete grace and complete truth full of grace and full of truth so I guess you could reference this towards Jesus, or you could reference it towards a king that follows the precepts and laws of Jesus. Paul said, follow me, for I follow Christ. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. This is why, again, we must be very careful, beloved, of what comes out of our mouths. We have to see what are, what, what are we feeding our hearts what are we, is it social media? What kind of, I, I, I typed what mind instead of kind. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> 
because K and M are like really close to each other on the keyboard. So what kind of movies and TV shows are you watching? Are you living in habitual sexual integrity issues of sin? I'm not here to Bible thump you, beloved. And I'm not here to shame you. Jesus came to set you free of that. Start, what I'm saying is start asking for his help. If you're struggling with trying to get off social media or not watch certain TV shows or movies, or if you are struggling with a with a problem of pornography and masturbation, um, I know Celebrate Recovery, I'm, I'm going there tonight, Lord willing, is a program that really helped me get out. Um, today I'm actually six months free of pornography, so praise God, thank the Lord. Um, but, beloved, uh, I'm hesitant to say this, but people say if you put in the work, it'll work. But that doesn't mean that God isn't willing to pick you up if you don't know how to. So if you put in the work of like confessing your sin, growing in intimate relationship with people who also follow Christ and you seek insight and you seek wisdom and you seek healing in your codependency and your people pleasing, if you in your sexual integrity issues and in your in your thought life, if you if you plant the right seeds, beloved, those seeds are going to grow into beautiful things and God's going to bless that. He will. He will. Verse 13, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. Verse 14, the mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. A man who is under the Lord's wrath falls into it. Oh my gosh, wow. That's so interesting. You can see this play out in people who work in the pornography industry or people who are watching it multiple times a week. People who just, I mean, let's just let's just put this in the conversation of people that just don't even follow Christ and they watch porn every other day. It says, a man who is under the Lord's wrath, they fall into the mouth of an adulterous woman and that it's a deep pit. I think there's a verse next week that we're going to get into that has a verse like this, very similar. And we've we've had verses like that, beloved. But um, it's really interesting. We'll try. I'll try. I'll try and we'll, we'll go over the verse next week. But um, it's like the mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. This is why it might kind of tie into why it's so hard to get out of pornography. The amount of dopamine that comes out of your brain when you first watch pornography is not... Okay, so like biblically speaking, how God made the brain, how it's supposed to think and work and all... all uh, how it's supposed to go, God made dopamine to come out at the right time. And when you watch pornography, you're releasing that too early. And a lot of that's supposed to be coming out when you get married and you have sex with your wife. That's when a lot of that's supposed to come out. And then and then you experience the beauty of sex. You experience what it's supposed to be used for. Let me let me let me say this. A lot of I'm I'm going really off script, but I really don't care. I have a friend of mine who's been doing some online dating. I'm not going to mention his name because you know why. It's obvious reasons. And he, um, 
gosh, I got 20 minutes left because I can only record this for so long. Um, he goes on, he's, he's going on a few dates with some of these women and he says whenever he meets a woman, he makes a clear disclaimer of not having sex before marriage. And he has at this point been called a antique. Um, there's another word for it. I forget the word that he used. But this is look 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 at look at what the world, world, world look at where the world is. Sex before marriage is just like a you know oh whatever. I mean, like that sin was like a real thing three hundred years ago and thirty years ago, but now nah eh, nah, it's not that bad. And this is where Isaiah five twenty comes in. Woe to you who call good bad and bad good, which means we don't get to call what's good, and we don't get to call what's bad. God does because God is morally perfect. All insight and all wisdom is held within the Lord. So, I'm kind of going on a rant here, but let's continue. Verse fifteen: Folly is bound up. In the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Now, I just struggle with the verses that talk about disciplining your child, your child with a rod. Now, a lot of Hebrew language can be metaphorical, so I don't know if it means actually beating your child. I know for me, I will never spank my child. Never. I just don't. I think, oh gosh, the wounds that I feel like I'll put there... Oh, it just seems so trivial. I don't know. If, I don't, is that the right word? Let's look that up. Hang on. The right word of little value or importance. Yeah, I guess it. No, I just. No, I mean, I mean, look at Galatians six one, beloved. We've talked about that verse so many times on here. If someone's caught in a sin. It says to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. So maybe like beating your child with a rod is a metaphorical kind of thing. Maybe it's like showing them the dangers of sin. I don't know. Maybe, but you know, we'll gather more wisdom when, when the Lord wants to show us that. Verse 16, one who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and one who gives gifts to the rich, both come to poverty now beloved it seems the writer is saying to not have favorites the rich only give to the rich because they know they will get something back so their motives are twisted now here's where uh the 30 sayings of the wise these are 30 sayings i think it, i think this goes all the way until i think it was i think it was proverbs 24 i said so um i'm just gonna read these um I don't have any notes on these, but I'm just going to say these. We're going to we're going to blow right through them. So here we go. Saying one. Hang on a second. Okay. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have all of them ready on your lips so that you trust so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and to speak the truth so that you bring back the truthful reports to those who you serve? 
saying to do not exploit the poor because they are poor and do not crush the needy in court for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Saying three, do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Saying four, do not be one who shakes hands in a pledge or puts up security for debts. i read that again. Do not be one who shakes hands in pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors. Do you see some saying that was saying five, saying six? Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Amen and amen. That is our Proverbs 22 study. Wow. So I guess my favorite verse throughout all that. You know what? And I thought to myself today, I know that I, in the past, would read from my red notebook about my, when I just sat down and, and studied these Proverbs. I I don't really know if God wants me to do that. I just, I guess I'm not doing that anymore. But my favorite verse throughout this so far, I mean, I love verse six, start start children off the way they should go. And even when they're old, they will not turn from it. And then we quoted Ephesians 6, 4 and Colossians 3, 21. I quoted those to kind of get those verses to help us do verse six, if that makes sense. Um... I love verse 11. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. Uh, Verse 14 was a big one. The mouth of an adulterous woman is a deep pit. A man who is under the Lord's wrath falls into it. Oh, you know what? Okay, my number one, actually, my 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 favorite verse actually is. Hang on a second. I'm trying to find it. I'm sorry, beloved. Hang on. Yeah. So verses 17 through 21 are probably my favorite verses, and then the other ones are, you know, I liked them, but this is my favorite. Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to which I teach. So James says, not just, not just, not, 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 let us not just be hearers, but let us be doers of God's word. For it is pleasing when you keep them in your heart and have them already on your lips. Or sorry, it says, have them ready on your lips, not already. So that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, even you. Have I not written 30 sayings for you, saying of counsels and knowledge, teaching you to be honest and speak the truth so that you will bring back the truthful reports to those you serve? Now, I guess I, this is one of, the, one, of, one of the reasons why this is one of my favorite verses is because I, I've quoted that James verse where it says, I wish you guys would not 
yearn to be teachers for there's a bigger judgment on us so as i'm i look at verse 21 that i want to speak the truth so that when people come back to me it's it's a truthful report so i don't i'm not sure if that makes sense but anyway uh that's our study for today um now i have a couple announcements number one uh We've got obviously 23, 24, 25, Nine more chapters, I think, for Proverbs, and then we'll be done. And we'll, be, we'll have gone through the whole book of Proverbs. That's so awesome. I love that. After that, like I said, we're going to get into the book of James, which is a book that is just, ooh, man, very just raw book. Excuse me. And then after that, so a couple days ago, the Lord spoke to me. And um, after that, we are going to be diving into the book of Galatians, a, a letter that's written by Paul after there were a bunch of false teachers coming to this church that Paul created and was telling them, you know, if you don't keep the law of Moses, if you're not circumcised, then you're not saved. And Paul writes this letter saying all of that is so false. It's such heresy. It's ridiculous. Galatians is a book that will convict the religious Pharisees in today's age in the body of Christ. Um, there's a lot of grace. There's a lot of, you know, forgetting about your works. I love Galatians 5.4. If you're trying to make yourself right with God by doing the law, you are cut off from grace. I wish I knew that verse three years ago because I used to try to do that a lot. It was because, I mean, there would, there would be that insecurity of, am I really trusting in Christ? And, um, I would do my best to just then like do all this stuff for God to make him pleased. And now I've come to the truth that that's just not right. So if you would like a prophetic word, you can email me at my email where it's, it's, it's my emails under the about, uh, little icon on my podcast. If you have not rated my show on Apple, on, uh, on Spotify, please do. So I'd really appreciate it. You can also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That would really touch my heart. And in uh, three weeks, on the 27th, I'm going to be doing live prophetic ministry on Facebook on a live video at 7 o'clock. You can friend me, Josiah Movius, on Facebook, and I can invite you to it if you'd like to join. And um, that's about it. Thank you so much for listening to our Proverbs 22 study on Movius Ministries. This is your friend Josiah. God loves you.